And it is Jesus who makes this a glorious day. Welcome to this morning's broadcast. Glad you could join us. Today, looking at Joel chapter 3, verses 9 through 21, we move from the payment part of the book, and we go on to the valley section of the book of Joel. Satan shows us the attractive side, but not the ugly side of sin. The future battle of Armageddon is predicted in these verses. And now, with his message for today, is our pastor, Robert Elliott. Isaiah the prophet of old wrote to both Jews and Gentiles for all the ages these inspired words from his 64th chapter and his 6th verse. For all of us have become like one who is unclean, And all our righteous deeds are like a filthy garment. In the Hebrew, that's a feminine hygiene product. For all of us have become like one who is unclean, and all our righteous deeds before a grace salvation are like a filthy garment, and all of us wither like a leaf. If you hold your places again in Joel 3 and go to Titus, In the New Testament, Titus chapter 3, verses 4 to 7. But when the kindness of God our Savior and his love for mankind appeared, he saved us, not on the basis of deeds which we have done in righteousness, but according to his mercy, by the washing of regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Spirit whom he poured out upon us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that being justified by his grace, we would be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. Before a person receives forgiveness as a grace gift by transferring their trust to the finished work of Christ, anything they could try to do that was right is unacceptable to God. Last Sunday night, a dear man trusted Jesus to be his Savior. And maybe there'd be someone here tonight that needs to do that too. The way you do that is you say to God, the sin debt I owe you, I don't want to pay in conscious torment in hell forever myself. I want to accept by faith that Jesus died, shed his blood in my place, not to show me how to die, but to pay the sin debt that I owed holy God. And when a person believes that, God graciously saves them from the penalty of sin that they deserve. And God forgives them of their sins, past, present, and future sins. And he reserves a home in heaven for that kind of a believer in his son. Make that your decision tonight if you've never done so. So the first section of Joel 3 is payment It's verses 1 to 8, and from the first section, payment section, we move to the valley section. Valley section of the chapter is verses 9 to 16a. And the valley in question here is a particular valley called Jehoshaphat, according to verse 2. And I will gather all the nations and bring them down to the valley of Jehoshaphat, 
and I will enter into judgment with them there on behalf of my people and my inheritance Israel, whom they have scattered among the nations, and they have have divided up my land. And so the valley in question that Joel saw down the corridors of time in eight centuries before Christ was the valley the scriptures call Jehoshaphat. It's not entirely clear where this valley of Jehoshaphat is located in the um, Middle East, but according to Ezekiel chapters 38 and 39, it would seem that this valley is near Jerusalem. And therefore, we would probably surmise that this valley of Jehoshaphat is also called the Kidron Valley. The Kidron Valley is a very steep valley on the east side of the old city of Jerusalem. It's the valley that separates the east side of the old city and the Mount of Olives. It's the valley just in front of the ancient eastern gate of Jerusalem that one day will be opened by an earthquake's fault line when Christ at his second coming returns. And I preached about it last Sunday night. And Jesus Christ majestically will walk through that crevice, that earthquake rift, right through the ancient eastern gate of Jerusalem that has not been exposed to the daylight for centuries by God's providential protection. And Jesus Christ will walk through that Kidron Valley from the Mount of Olives that will split in half north to south when he lands down upon it at his second coming. He'll walk through the rift, the crevice, and he will go through the eastern gate and assume David's throne in a rebuilt temple on the Temple Mount in Jerusalem. The Kidron Valley, along with a plain approximately 60 miles north of Jerusalem, is the location of this battle of Armageddon. And Armageddon will be nothing more, nothing less, nothing else, but Jesus Christ himself waging war against the nations of the world that have assembled to rebel against him. The battle of Armageddon will be the divine patience exhausted. The battle of Armageddon will be gruesome. Revelation 14, verses 17 to 20, tell us that this battle will be so bloody that human blood will run like a river. And this blood river at the Battle of Armageddon will be about six feet deep. And it will flow for a distance of 200 miles. Gross. But sin, family, is gross. Satan only shows us the glossy side of sin, the attractive side of sin, the hip side of sin. But underneath the gloss is gross. And blood from slain humans flowing to the height of horses' bridles, approximately six feet, for 200 miles is what God thinks of sin. If you hold your places in Joel 3, let me show it to you in the text. Revelation 14, verses 17 to 20. And another angel came out of the temple, which is in heaven, and he also had a sharp sickle. Then another angel, the one who has the power over fire, came out from the altar, and he called with a loud voice to him who had the sharp sickle, saying, Put in your sharp sickle and gather the clusters from the vine of the earth because her grapes are ripe. So the angel swung his sickle to the earth and gathered the clusters from the vine of the earth 
and threw them into the great winepress of the wrath of God. And the winepress was trodden outside the city, and the blood came out from the winepress up to the horses' bridles for a distance of 200 miles. That's what God thinks of sin. The bloody slaughter of Christ's enemies in the future battle of Armageddon is compared to cutting a vineyard of grapes down all of the vines with a sickle. Revelation 19, verses 15 to 21, gives us more detail on the battle of Armageddon. I should have told you to stay there. I apologize. Revelation 19, verses 15 to 21. More on the battle of Armageddon. From his mouth, Jesus' mouth, comes a sharp sword so that with it he may strike down the nations. And he will rule them with a rod of iron, and he treads the winepress of the fierce wrath of God the Almighty. And on his robe and on his thigh he has a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. Then I saw an angel standing in the sun, and he cried out with a loud voice, saying to all the birds which fly in the mid-heaven, Come assemble for the great supper of God, that you may eat the flesh of kings and the flesh of commanders and the flesh of mighty men and the flesh of horses and of those who sit on them and the flesh of all men, both free men and slaves and small and great. And I saw the beast and the kings of the earth and their armies assembled to make war against him who sat on the horse and against his army. And the beast was seized, and with him the false prophet who performed signs in his presence, by which he deceived those who had received the mark of the beast and those who worshipped his image. These two were thrown alive into the lake of fire, which burns with brimstone. And the rest were killed with the sword which came from the mouth of him who sat on the horse. And all the birds were filled with their flesh." We don't need nuclear warheads for Jesus Christ to exact his judgment of the Battle of Armageddon. It's the word of his mouth. Thank you, Pastor Rob, for your message today. Today is a special Lord's Day here at Calvary Bible Church. It is the first Sunday in September, and it kicks off a new year of ministry. And in light of that, we're having a ministry fair so that members and regular attenders of CBC can see what ministries are available and where they might like to get involved. To accommodate this fair, there will be no Sunday school today, and we will have only one service at 10 a.m. The fair will immediately follow that service. And now it's time for Youth Talk with Pastor Nicholas Rogers. Good morning. This is Pastor Nicholas, and this is another Ministry Spotlight. And this this morning, we want to focus on our Ignition Ministry, which is our student ministry here at Calvary Bible Church. Again, you have been listening to me on the radio for this last year, and, you know, I am the youth pastor here at Calvary Bible Church. Um, I enjoy working with teenagers, um, and I just want to let you know that, you know, we have a youth group here, a youth ministry here. Uh, we meet on Friday nights from 7 o'clock to 9.30, uh, and we have a great time, again, of, of looking into God's Word, studying God's Word. Um, you know, this past year, we have been looking at disciple making and what it truly means to be a disciple. As we consider, you must give up everything to be a disciple. And we we really want to um, let you know this is this is open to anyone. 
your teenager from, you know, grade 7 to 12. You know, we have a great time. Um, food is provided. Um, we have a great time of games. We have a great time of basketball, volleyball, whatever it is. We also have some indoor games. But we also have a great time of worship as we, we come together. And what I really love about our ignition group, you know, we have kids from all walks of life. We have kids from, you know, from all different schools, private, public schools. Um, you know, we have some who come to our church regularly, some who don't. So it's a good mixture of seeing different kids who who come in. And, and, we, and we want you to really, um, you know, we want this to let you understand this is an open invitation for you. Um, but one thing I would like to, you know, say to you as well is, you know, as a, as a parent listening to this, you know, so many times we invest in our kids um, we will invest in them in schoolwork. We would invest in them in, um, you know, taking them to anything that relates to education. But sometimes we don't have the time to take them to a youth group. And this is an opportunity that we have that you can come here in a safe environment. Again, that is, we meet from 7 to 9.30 on um, Friday nights. Um, and, you know, this this upcoming year... Um, you know, we, we also have different events that we have that we um, just, again, invite your kids to come to. And, you know, we, we would love for you to have this opportunity to serve you and to minister to your kid in this way. Um, we also have a time, as we consider in our, our groups, we have what we call small groups. And this is an opportunity that kids have to be in a smaller age group. Uh, and we separate boys and girls in this time and in and, and different grades so that they can talk about the word. Talk about the message that was preached. Talk about struggles they may have. And just talk about life. Um, just how, you know, things are going in life that week. And one thing that we do believe here at Calvary Bible we believe in discipleship. We believe to give opportunities for your kids to grow in their faith. We believe to give them an opportunity to study the Word of God. Um, you know, we believe in investment. Um, you know, one thing for me as as the... Um, youth pastor at Calvary Bible Church, you know, I, I try my best to see how I could get involved in the kids' lives outside of these four walls, outside of the church, um, whether it be coming to a, a basketball game, a softball game, and stuff like that. So here we just we just have an opportunity just to, to talk and just to get to know each other outside of what we normally do on a Friday night. But I would really encourage you, um, again, if you are looking for something for your kid to do on a Friday night, from 7 to 9.30, they are invited to our ignition, our youth ministry here at Calvary Bible Church. And I, again, I would challenge you as a parent, please, make the time for your kid. Make the time to, if they want to come to youth group, you know, come. Um, again, I know just listening to some parents, or uh, some non-teenager, they'll tell you, I can't come because my parents said they can't draw me, you know. Again, like I said, we make time for what we want to make time for. We do what we want to do. So make time to invest in something that in your kid's life. And who knows? You know, this, this is something that as parents, you know, we teach our kids now. Um, let's remember that when they leave and they go off to a college, you know, we try to build a foundation of knowing what they truly believe. And this is the part, like I said, of the ignition program and again, as we even have some young adults who are in college um, who come out and, and just investing in them and seeing them grow. And 
one of the great things that we have seen over our ministry over the last couple of years is seeing those same kids who have come through our ministry and now they are involved in helping in the ministry, whether it be in games or just helping in, in our, our music ministry, whatever it is. They are invested in the ministries. And, 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 you know, I thank the Lord for the opportunity because I just love working with young people. Um, I love young people because young people are truthful. They tell you how it is. They don't beat around the bush. They'll tell you what things they like and what things they don't like. And, you know, we try our best. Again, we're not here to please people. We're here to please God, but we try our best to make it an enjoyable time for them. Again, please think about this, pray about it, and see if you would have your kid to come to our ignition program on Friday nights from 7 to 9.30. Today's Help for the Hearing segment is brought to you by Calvary Bible Church's Christian Counseling Center. The center is located at 58 Collins Avenue, Nassau, Bahamas. If you would like an appointment or more information, dial 323-7000. That's 323-7000. Or email them at cccbahamas at gmail.com. And now, the Executive Director of the Christian Counseling Center, Pastor Frederick Arnett. Good morning again, and thank you for having us in your homes. Uh, in the studio with me again this morning is Deborah Arnett. And uh, my question for you this morning, Deborah, is what two gifts can a parent entrust to his or her children that will have a profound impact on their lives? Um, so there are a number of different things that can be suggested. There are two that come to mind as I think of our country and different challenges that we're facing. The first one is that I believe a great gift that a parent can give to their child or children would be to foster a knowing of who they are. In other words, helping your child to form an adaptive identity. Okay. One that will be functional in an adaptive way. A sense of who am I as a person. Um, one of the things that I used to do when I worked at the Christian Counseling Center with children and adolescents, particularly with my adolescents, the first question I would ask them in the first session would be, who are you? Mm -hmm. And I would lift, listen for their definition of self. And it was astounding to see the number of adolescents and children who would look at me and it was evident on their facial expressions. They really did not have a definition of self. Okay. Now, granted, you, that is something that is formed over time, but they didn't even have... Um, a very clear vocabulary and their initial response would be, I don't know. Um, and again, adolescence is the age where you form identity, but it wasn't even as if it was something that they had begun to significantly think about. Okay. And I think that that is very important. And I believe that the identity of a child is initiated through his or her interactions with his or her parents. Um, particularly, I believe the fathers play a very important role in defining who your child is. Your words are powerful and they shape your child, mm -hmm. not just in this moment, but the entire course of your child's life. And so it is important as a parent that you speak over them life. I've said this before, but it is very important. I've sat with adolescents who can repeat to me verbatim the negative, unproductive, life-slaying 
word spoken over them that they hold to and that they sometimes use as a justification to engage in unproductive activities. And so clearly the parents have power, more power than the parents would like to believe that they have. Um, And one of their greatest tools are their words. Specifically for those who are of the Christian faith and would recognize the importance of identity. I think it's very important from a very tender age to begin to unpack for a child their understanding of who they are in God or Christ, that we Mm -hmm. are created in the image of God. Mm -hmm. Because I believe that it shapes, again, the child's understanding of not only him or herself, but who they are in relation to their God, particularly if that is the way that you intend to raise your child, and that is the upbringing that you want your child to have. The other thought related to helping to shape your child's identity or to provide perspective for your child in who they are is how willing are you to study your child? So a lot of parents have goals and dreams for their children. Um, They have a lot of thoughts about what they want their son to be that they've been thinking about before they even conceived Mm -hmm. the child. Mm -hmm. Um, But there aren't a lot of parents who articulate an intimate intent to know their child. Um, again, to refer to the Christian community, a lot of individuals will assert that this is a gift from God, that mm. this child was given to me by God, that God has a purpose for this child. But they're not spending time observing the child's passions, strengths, interests, skills, and then feed the, feeding those passions, strengths, in, interests, and skills. Um, sometimes the parent will promote a specific passion. Mm-hmm. Or they will zone in on one that they identify with and vicariously try to live their life through their child. Um, And they don't seem to honor the parent, that is, the distinctive makeup. You know, as a mom, I am so-and-so. This is who I am. But my daughter, Grace, this is who she is. Mm -hmm. And God has a specific purpose for her. So a lot of times you'll find parents trying to create or craft a carbon copy of themselves through the life of their child Mm -hmm. or correct mistakes that they made over the course of their life through the life of their child. And I think it's so important to know who is this individual that God has entrusted to you and then help them to form a sense of self. Do you you think uh, this is the reason why we are encouraged to, through the word, to bring up the child in the way he or she should go? Do you think, because they are different, you can have a dozen children and you won't find two of them alike. Uh, and you can't discipline them the same way. So is this, is this one of the reasons you think we need to get to know the child so you can deal with them as individuals rather than as children? I think that that is the beginning of, of it, and I do believe that that is an important part of what God was articulating through the author of that text. Mm-hmm. Um, it is important to understand and know his purpose for the child mm-hmm. above all else. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'm not in any way advocating that you just let a child tell you how he or she should live his or her life. Mm-hmm. I am saying, though, you be intentional in knowing the skills and the giftings and the abilities that this child possess and that are adaptive and healthy, and you promote those things so that they become the individuals that he predestined for them to become. Okay. Thank you very much, Deborah, again. And uh, it was a pleasure having you. We will pick up from here next time. It's time for answers to your questions. We urge you to take a moment and get a pen and paper and take down the references used so that you can do your own study later on. We here at Echoes of Calvary are always excited to receive your letters of support and your questions. 
which we seek to answer right away and also here on the show. You can send us your letters at eocradio at gmail.com. That's eocradio at gmail.com. Today, Pastor Elliot draws from Carl Laney's excellent book, Answers to Tough Questions. This book was published back in 1997. And once again, here is Pastor Robert Elliott. 1 Corinthians 15 verse 50 gives rise to this question. How is Paul's doctrine of the physical resurrection consistent with his statement that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God? Paul concludes his defense of the doctrine of the resurrection by explaining the process by which the resurrection body is obtained. By the rapture, uh, verses 52 of chapter 15, or through death, verses 54 to 57 of 1 Corinthians 15. The importance of this is stressed in verse 50, where Paul declares that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Paul's point is that you cannot go to heaven in your present mortal body. The perishable body must be changed and modified in order to enter into the heavenly sphere. The resurrection body will not be made of flesh and blood, but it will be a very real, glorified human body. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 10 gives rise to this question. If our sins were judged at the cross, why must believers stand before the judgment seat of Christ? The issue of the judgment seat, Greek bima, of Christ, is not the punishment of sin, but the reward of service. After the church is taken to heaven, individual believers will be judged for their works. Each believer's life will be examined with regard to his or her faithfulness as a steward of the abilities and opportunities entrusted to each by God. Paul reveals in 1 Corinthians 3 verses 14 and 15 that faithfulness will be graciously rewarded and unfaithfulness will result in the loss of reward. The judgment seat of Christ should serve as a motivation for godly living and for faithful service for Christ. You have been listening to the Echoes of Calvary, a radio ministry of Calvary Bible Church, Nassau, Bahamas. Today, our morning worship service begins at 10 a.m. in our sanctuary located at 62 Collins Avenue. We encourage you to join us. Feel free to write us at eocradio at gmail.com or P.O. Box N1684, Nassau, Bahamas. And remember, everyone needs a Savior. Savior.